the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 274 for August 28th, 2011. Steve Jobs resigns as Apple CEO, RIM announces a new curve, and Samsung expands its Galaxy lineup. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppice. Brought to you each week with the help of listeners like you, subscribers to The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked. More information at thecellphonejunkie.com. The show is also supported by The Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android and the iOS for $1.99. And for those of you with the iOS application, an update was released this week, bringing the software to version 1.9.5. The new version contains a new tab bar interface, UI enhancements to increase the quality for retina displays, faster show loading, stability improvements, and minor bug fixes. You can download the free update via the iTunes App Store. And before we jump into the news, I wanted to share a special that's going on right now with the Cradlepoint PHS300 mobile hotspot. This is the one that I use on a regular basis, and I love that it can be used with a variety of devices and phones. Newegg has it for $40 with free shipping. That's $90 off the retail price. I'm going to put a link in the show notes if you want to pick one up. So this is uh, probably the best deal, Joey, I've ever seen on this outside of a a service like eBay. It's, It's phenomenal. Yeah, it's very good for a brand new retail. I mean, you can get them cheaper on eBay, but not by much. And usually you can only get the Sprint branded versions. So this is definitely a good deal if you need this. Uh, Usually you need a Tether plan on your phone for this to support. And there's kind of a limited number of phones that it does support. But but if all that uh, works out, this is a great deal. And I have used it with not only uh, you know regular 3G devices like uh, my Verizon BlackBerry. I've used it with a 4G capable WiMAX stick from Sprint, and as of late, I've been using it with an LTE stick. Uh, there are some updates that you may have to do depending on what device you're going to be using, but it's pretty easy to figure out. And Cradlepoint has a lot of great information on their support site, so check that one out if you're interested. Forty dollars on Newegg. Link in the show notes. Well, Apple on Wednesday announced that. CEO Steve Jobs would be resigning his position immediately, being replaced by Tim Cook. Apple confirmed that Jobs will remain as chairman of the board. In a letter of resignation, Jobs said, To the Apple Board of Directors and the Apple community, I have always said that if ever comes a day where I could no longer meet any of my duties or expectations as Apple CEO, I would be the first to let you know. Unfortunately, that day has come. I hereby resign as CEO of Apple. I would like to serve, if the board sees fit, as chairman of the board, director, and Apple employee. As far as my successor goes, I strongly recommend that we execute our succession plan and name Tim Cook as CEO of Apple. I believe Apple's brightest and most innovative days are ahead of it, and I look forward to watching and contributing to its success in a new role. I've made some of my best friends of my life at Apple, and I thank you all for the many years of being able to work alongside you, Steve. Although it's his history with the company, Steve has done many incredible things, including bringing the company back from the verge of bankruptcy, including uh, to introducing the iMac, uh, iTunes, OS X, Apple retail stores, and of course the iPod, iPhone, and iPad. The future for Apple will certainly be different without Steve as the CEO of the company, though he'll still be a part of it, like we said, as the chairman of the board. And uh, part of the innovation and decision-making processes will still fall onto him as that chairman. So it's not like Steve is going to just be you know, out and, and no longer involved in the company, but uh, no longer in the day-to-day process. And then on Thursday, uh, Tim Cook sent out an email, his first as CEO of the company, to all Apple employees. Uh, it read, Team, I'm 
looking forward to an amazing opportunity of serving as CEO of the most innovative company of the world. Joining Apple was the best decision I've ever made, and it's been a privilege of a lifetime to work for Apple and Steve over the past 13 years. I share Steve's optimism for Apple's bright future. I love Apple, and I'm looking forward to diving into my new role. All of the incredible support from the board, the executive team, and many of you has been inspiring. I'm confident our best years lie ahead of us, and together we will contribute to make Apple a magical place that it is. Tim, uh, newly appointed Cook, uh, joined Apple in 1998 as Senior Vice President of Worldwide Operations. Cook landed the role of COO in 2007 and has been acting CEO through the last seven months since Jobs went out on his most recent medical leave. Joey, this is a big deal, of course, for the entire uh, Apple community. Community, of course, but then taking it even further for what this means in uh, our, you know, our, our industry and in, you know, the iPhone 2007, it really defined and changed the way that smartphones are today. And so this is a pretty big deal to see him step down. Yeah, and it's not even mobile, just mobile. It's it's all the industries uh, around tech gadgets and, and you know technology, even uh, computers. Look what uh, has changed just over the years with computers and the Macintosh and Mac OS and how much that's influenced how Windows has gone uh, with their latest Windows Seven. Uh, you know, obviously the the iPhones changed everything from you know a couple of phones had resistive touchscreens like the Windows Mobile and the the Palm OS to everyone having capacitive touch screens and, and, you know, icon driven fluid, you know, rubber band effects, all these, you know, fancy polished, uh, you know, UI effects. And of course the fancy polished metal and the back, you know, glass and all these other quality materials. And it's, it's, I mean, it's so uh, far, far and beyond what any one company really actually has done. It's, uh, it is, you know, sad to think that this may be the end of the line, but I really don't think so. I think, you know, we've, we've known this has been coming for actually quite some time. You know, it's still a shock to, to see it. I mean, it's, it's not, uh, it, you can't fault, even if you don't even like Apple or their politics or how they even do business, which, you know, there are a lot of questions on, on how they do that. But, but what has changed is you can't deny that it, it has been a very, very big deal. And, you know, with his current position now of chairman of the board, he's still going to be around. And um, I think I'd be naive in saying that it was he, he's going to continue on, um, you know, with his his rule or his, you know, trying to put out the devices that he thinks are best. Yes, there's going to be some influence, but there's a reason that he's taking a step back. Um, you know, obviously health comes to mind. You know, we, we know he took a, another medical leave of absence back in January. And unfortunately, there's there's probably some implications there in, in why he's deciding to ultimately step down now. Um, but his touch on the products that are coming out, and specifically when we see the next iPhone here with probably within the next 45 days, um, and then with whatever happens after that with the next version of the iPad and future iterations of the iPhone, all of these devices are still going to have some Steve in them. You know, it's not like all of a sudden it's they're just going to come out with, um, you know, another weird phone that is not Apple like it's it's still going to continue on to be the same company. You know, a lot of people have said the genius behind Steve Jobs is Tim Cook. And now Tim is running the show. So hopefully he'll have uh, some great stuff to do with them as well. Yeah, and obviously Steve Jobs didn't run this whole thing by himself and and completely create all these products, you know, by himself. There's been a lot of, you know, there there's a lot of help he has and it's it it it, it is something that uh 
you know, he is basically a celebrity CEO and it's, uh, it's kind of an end of an era because look what happened when he came back to Apple, when they were just nearly bankrupt and he turned them around and turned them into this, this absolutely phenomenal company that has more cash than the government did for a little bit. And it's, it, it is quite an amazing story and it, uh, it, it, it will be interesting to see what happens with the products in the future. And like you said, yeah, things won't you know drastically change overnight because obviously there is product planning involved. Uh, it, it seems like Apple doesn't put out this, you know, 17 year plan like BlackBerry did. And uh, they seem to adjust and try to be mobile in their, you know, no pun intended, in their products so they can, you know, switch direction quick to try to keep up with the current market. And you know, it's uh, it, it's something that it, it, it shouldn't really affect the end user here for quite some time. And hopefully it won't affect them at all, at least as far as, you know, losing this, you know, this new product innovation that we have um, that we've been experiencing here for a number of years in the, the computer industry and, of course, the mobile and, and tablet industry. I mean, they basically define the tablet industry. And, uh, you know, there's rumors that there's going to be something new coming the end of this year uh, that's not a tablet, not a computer, something in between that. And it will be kind of uh, interesting to see w- what that is. It could be a TV. We've we've been hearing rumors of that, and that could be what the product is. But uh, we'll just, uh, you know, we have to just wait and see what the next big thing from Apple is. Kind of the, like you said, the end of an era, kind of the closing of a, a chapter. And uh he did have extraordinary vision and unique insights, creativity, inspiration, whatever you want to call it. There was all of it was there with him, and it'll be um, he will be sorely missed from that top role. And at the same time, Apple will indeed move on. Exactly, and you know, there's of course the flip side of things. I mean, once a company gets as big as Apple is, they inevitably start going down because once you're at the top, there's only one place to go. And, you know, maybe, maybe Apple's ring, even with Steve Jobs or may have, uh, may have started faltering because, you know, you get too big, you get too bureaucratic. There's too many things going on and, and, you know, the development and, uh, you know, keeping up with the, the current things start, uh, falling behind. And maybe this, uh, you know, Steve Jobs leaving, will leave a, a, a gaping hole somewhere in the industry for another, you know, celebrity CEO to really take a hold and, and, and get uh, fans after him and, and have another new company be a kind of an up and comer like Apple used to be. And as Tim Cook says, I want you to be confident that Apple is not going to change. So we'll take those words and see what that means as we push forward. Well, J.T. Power, J.D. Power and Associates this week published a study that pronounced Verizon the winner in cellular network quality ratings in five regions across the U.S. Customers said Verizon was the best for network quality everywhere, but in the north central U.S. where U.S. cellular had the highest marks. The other carriers had varying results, though a few trends were spotted. Depending on the region, T-Mobile could be found anywhere from near the top to all the way at the bottom, while both AT&T and Sprint were consistently at the bottom. J.D. Power noted that the average person is now making 450 minutes of calls every month, which is down 77 minutes from just two years ago. Those surveyed typically sent 500-plus text messages each month. Mickey, this just goes to show you really do have to uh, follow the the Mickey 90% rule. Wherever you're at the most uh, is the, the provider you need to go with, with, you know, whether you're at home or at work or in between, that's where you really need to focus on where your coverage is the best because, you know, it really does depend not even region wise, but even just your really, really localized locations, which carrier is the best for you. And I put I'll put links in or link in the show notes, of course, to this. But in in the story itself, we've got pictures 
of uh, or images of all the graphs of, of each of these different areas. And you're absolutely right. It doesn't necessarily mean, for example, that I'm in the southwest part of the U.S. And it does say that Verizon um, is is got the top marks here, which I would agree with. Um, you know, but then it, it goes into further, um, you know, n- n- further depth into this where you have to you have to take it with a grain of salt. Just like you said, it's not going to necessarily mean that if you live in, in the Northeast that you have to go with a certain carrier because they're the only ones that work. But um, just as, as a general comment or general rule, that's what these surveys do is they say, OK, who who is really doing the best here for the vast majority of the population? And, and uh, you know, that may or may not be right for you. I know in both of our experiences, Verizon, I mean, really, if you, you do need a carrier that you can pretty much rely on wherever you go, it is Verizon. But if you're a heavy traveler or if you go into rural areas around the country, that, that usually is the, the best choice by far. And it's not only their 3G service, their 4G service is, is coming on very strong. In fact, on Monday, Verizon announced additional 4G LTE markets coming online starting on September 15th. Those include San Luis Obispo and Santa Barbara counties of California, Bloomington, Normal, and Champaign, Urbana, Rockford, Springfields, and the Quad Cities, Illinois, uh, Iowa City, Iowa, Fargo, Moorhead on the North Dakota Minnesota border, Reno, Nevada. Canton, Lima, and Mansfield, Ohio, Austin and Wichita Falls, Texas, Las Cruces, New Mexico, Shreveport, Louisiana, and then there's also the expansion of the San Francisco Bay Area 4G network, as well as the network in Cleveland, Ohio. The update comes less than a month after the last batch of cities went live, bringing the carrier's 4G coverage to over 50% of the U.S. Sprint on Monday announced they'll be offering an a la carte 3G 4G data plan for the Evo View 4G. According to Sprint, Sprint customers will have the option to pay for data across the 3G and 4G networks of Sprint using the HTC Evo View tablet by the day, week, or month with no long-term contract. If you're looking for plans, we've got a day plan for $15 a month that gives you or $15 a day, giving you 150 megs of data of on-network usage in a 24-hour period. If you go to the weekly plan, it's $30 for 500 megs of on-network usage in a seven-day period, and then $50 a month for 1.5 gigs of data in that 30-day period. $50 a month. Uh, there are some off-network roaming usages that are available with these as well. The day plan gives you 50 megs, weekly gives you 100, and monthly gives you 150. Boy, now now I'm looking at those numbers and I'm, I'm pretty disgusted by how expensive those are. I'm, I'm trying to think back here to the when the iPad first came out on AT&T. I mean, they had unlimited for $30, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, but, they, yeah. but it was only for, you know, a couple of weeks. And then they said, okay, well, it's actually if you want to, if you got the plan, you can keep the plan. But if you want to sign up or, you know, drop off and sign back up, you can, you have to get the, the $25 plan, which is only two gigs of data. Yeah, but two gigs is $25. And this is $50 for one and a half. Uh, that's uh, quite a markup there. Okay, fair enough. That's not that really that good of a deal, <laughs> is it? Uh, you know, I, I guess it's good to have the day options for, but it's you know, fifteen bucks. You can on AT and T. That should that should be unlimited for for fifteen dollars for one day, not one hundred and fifty megabytes. I mean, yeah. that's. Uh, th- I mean, if you take that over a course of a few days, you're easily going to be over. Uh, that that's these are really expensive plans. Well, they're available for both consumers and business users. Uh, Once you hit your limit, you can uh, uh, then have the data automatically turn off so you don't go over it and get charged for more, which I guess is nice. That's something that if you're on the iPad, it just re-ups you and, you know, charges you for another day or, well, I guess it would be a month or whatever it is that you've purchased. 
Yeah, but it, in it, it, it on the flip side, it is actually great to have you know uh, prepaid options and have it by the day because potentially you could save money because if you only use it for a week or if you only travel every once in a while and you want to have your tablet you know active. Uh, this is a great option because you don't have to sign a contract. You don't have to pay every month and it's, you know, that's it right there. That's your one charge, you know, your $20 or $30, whatever it is. Although I do see your point though. These are, these are pretty horrific plans as far as what you have is in comparison to what's out there for other tablets. So anyway, but if you need it, you have them. There you go. Well, if you're looking for a way to support the cell phone junkie, you can join us on TCPJ Unlocked. It's our bi-monthly premium podcast for only $5 a month, $12 a quarter, or $45 a year. You'll hear in-depth conversations about the latest in cellular issues, interviews with industry experts, and much more. Sign up is easy. Just visit thecellphonejunkie.com. Click the link for TCPJ Unlocked, and then select Subscribe to Premium Content. A big thank you to everyone that subscribes. And this week, we released the Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked episode number 90. You can call it the Spectrum Squeeze, the Capacity Crunch, or something else. Carriers are capping and throttling data. We talk about what you need to know and what to expect over the last half of 2011. Again, thank you to all of you out there who are subscribers to the Unlock show. Well, first in devices, Reuters on Tuesday reported that Apple is building a lower-priced iPhone 4 that will be available as an 8-gig model starting next month for only $100. Citing two sources, Reuters says, the flash drive for the 8-gig iPhone 4 is being manufactured by a Korean company, one of the people said on Tuesday, declining to name the company. Apple currently sources its flash drives from Japan's Toshiba and South Korea's Samsung Electronics. Further, the report says that the phone will be launched at the end of September along with the iPhone 5. The next generation device is likely to be largely identical to the iPhone 4, but will have a larger display, better antenna, and an 8-megapixel camera. In a separate report, TechCrunch says that a developer has found testing of the iPhone 5 in its logs, and it confirms that the device will be a dual-mode GSM and CDMA device. The logs show that the app has briefly been tested on a handful of devices with people using what is almost certainly the iPhone 5 evidently running on iOS 5, which has two distinct sets of mobile network codes. The MNCs and mobile uh, country codes, the MCCs, are uniquely identified for mobile carriers. So we can see that we've got multiple carriers, of course, that are using these devices. And we've, of course, speculated since April that the next iPhone would feature a world mode MDM 6600 chipset, which is similar to what's found currently in the iPhone 4 and the iPad 2. So it does appear that that is indeed what's going to be used again for this one. Yeah, and we, we've seen that in the Verizon version of the iPhone 4. So we, we knew this was coming. I mean, they just didn't utilize the GSM portion, probably just because it was a little too late to uh, to get all that integrated. Plus, it gives Verizon to sell uh, sell something additional this year now that the fact it's a it's a global phone that they can you know have their roaming partners and make more money on it in that case. So uh, you know, one thing we we do know about the iPhone uh, 5 that'll be coming out is that we really never know anything about it until the actual release. It seems like there's so much speculation, so many guesses, so many little parts that are leaked out. You really don't get the full story until uh, Apple gets up on the stage and really does show you what uh, what they're going to be uh, selling us this this year. Well, here's another thing that we don't know. The Wall Street Journal thinks they do, though, that wireless carrier Sprint will be selling the iPhone 5 and the iPhone 4 starting in October. Stating their, or according to their unnamed sources, they say 
that Sprint will begin selling the iPhone 5 mid-October and that the uh, this will be a very popular phone for their network. The timing indicates that the new phone will hit the market later than expected. Uh, that it'll be too late to contribute to sales for the company's overall fiscal fourth quarter, which ends in September. So take that for what it's worth. Though, again, this is just speculation from the Wall Street Journal. So we've seen uh, stories leading to this before, especially the one with the Apple hiring an engineer, a mobile uh, engineer in Kansas, uh, right uh, next to the Sprint headquarters. And that was now, boy, how many months ago? Four, four some months ago now, which would actually uh, correspond with a release with this timing because basically the hardware we know will work with Verizon because it's just standard CDMA it'll work no problem the only thing needs you know little tweaking needs to be done with the PRLs and some of the tower configurations and maybe even some frequency tuning but all that can basically be done with software so this would fit i mean this really really would fit that we'll be seeing it on sprint and then to to put the icing on the cake here AT&T would love this because if Sprint gets it, there's no longer this uh, the, the backlash that they can get from the FCC for the T-Mobile acquisition approval. So there's no longer the, the case that somebody can say, well, Sprint doesn't have the iPhone and, and UAT&T has it. So now you're putting them at a competitive disadvantage. So, uh, I, you know, all these signs point to, I, th- I think we'll be seeing it on Sprint. And obviously the big question is whether unlimited plans and how, if they'll charge more, but, but I, think, uh, I think we will see it. The other, of course, carrier is T-Mobile, and T-Mobile currently under uh, the review of the FCC and uh, trying to figure out if they're going to be acquired by AT&T. But I think it would make sense just if they had, even if it was the iPhone 4, if it's not the new version, if they could get a version of it out with the 1700 megahertz bands, you could get a 3G version of the iPhone on T-Mobile. I think that would go a long way, too. I think so as well. And it's, uh, you know, the speculation also is that maybe this iPhone 4 that'll be coming out for Verizon and Sprint, this, you know, the the, the uh, price conscious version, the, the, the lower, they'll probably drop to eight gigs like they did with the 3GS. And my guess is they may drop the glass on the back and it may be a plastic or something to help reduce the cost down. Uh, that's my gut feel if they in fact do this. You know, it wouldn't be a bad thing either for the durability of the device, too. Obviously, it's had its share of issues, or at least reports of issues, with the the glass on the back breaking easier than uh, other versions of the iPhone. So, again, just still speculation, right? But uh, sources uh, look like... Uh, point to the fact that we could see all the carriers or at least the top three carriers here in the U.S. with iPhone 4s and 5s coming early October. HP on Monday announced that the Pre-3 would not be sold in the U.S. The U.K. and France will be the only two countries to get the device and they will be available for approximately $75 U.S. As we discussed on last week's podcast, the European version can only be used on the edge networks here in the U.S. or with those that have 1900 megahertz 3G support. Port. BGR on Monday reported that HTC plans to announce two new Windows Phone 7 Mango devices at the company's event on September 1st. According to the report, we have heard HTC will specifically be unveiling the HTC Eternity, a Windows phone with a 3.7-inch display headed to AT&T, in addition to the HTC Omega, a 4.5-inch Mango phone that will be headed to T-Mobile USA. No release timeline or pricing was mentioned. RIM on Tuesday announced three new Curve smartphones, the 9350, 9360, and 9370. Specs are nearly identical on the three, including the BlackBerry 7 OS, a 5-megapixel camera, 512 megs of RAM, an 800-megahertz processor, near-field communications, a 2.44-inch 480x360 display, support for 32-gigabyte microSD cards, and a 
0.43 inch depth form factor. Differences in the three include the 70, excuse me, 9370 is a the high end model with CDMA, EVDO, and quad band edge support with one gig of internal storage. The Curve 9360 is the GSM variant offering tri band UMTS and quad band edge with storage on, of, on the unit of 512 megs, and the Curve 9350, the CDMA variant with 512 megs of RAM. The devices will launch later this month in Canada with additional markets in September. And shortly after RIM announced the trio of new smartphones, uh, Sprint said that the 9350 would be coming to their network on Friday, September 9th. The new BlackBerry can be purchased for $80 with a new contract after rebates, though Sprint's business customers can purchase the phone for $50. And then launching a few days ahead of schedule, both Bell and Virgin Mobile Canada will have the BlackBerry Curve 9360 available for purchase on their websites. Pricing is consistent across the sites with the entry-level device coming in at $350 off contract or $50 with a three-year agreement. And then Canadian carrier Rogers this week made the BlackBerry Torch 9860 available starting on Tuesday. The device can be purchased off contract for $524 or $200 with a three-year agreement. And U.S. Cellular on Wednesday announced that on August 26th, they would be offering the BlackBerry Torch 9850. The device is available for $200 after a $100 mail-in rebate with new agreement. Sony Ericsson on Monday announced the Live, an Android 2.3 gingerbread device. The Live features a 1 gigahertz processor, 3.2-inch display, and 320 by 480 pixel resolution. The phone also has Walkman features, a 5-megapixel camera, and 720p video recording. The Live will be available in multiple radio configurations, including one with 850-1900-2100MHz HSPA for the U.S. Pricing was not announced, and the device is expected to ship in the fourth quarter. Sony Ericsson on Thursday announced its latest device, the Xperia Neo V. The phone features a 3.7-inch 480 by 854 reality display, 1 gigahertz Qualcomm Snapdragon processor, and will run on Android 2.3.4. Other specs include a 5-megapixel rear camera, VGA front-facing camera, 320 megs of internal storage, 2-gig uh, micro SD card, 1,500 milliamp-hour battery. It'll be available in white, blue, or silver. Sony Ericsson also announced that all 2011 devices will be updated to version 2.3.4 of Android, bringing video to Google Talk, native screenshot abilities, and more. The software updates will begin in October. Samsung on Wednesday announced a change to its smartphone naming strategy and expanded its device lineup ahead of their official unveiling at IFA in Berlin next week. First, there is a new way to identify Galaxy smartphones. According to the new naming structure, new class designators refer to the specific category of that smartphone and will either make it a premium or entry-level device. All classes will be used within the higher branding of the Galaxy smartphones. So first, we have the S devices. These stand for Super Smart. The devices at the very pinnacle of Samsung's mobile portfolio. The class will only be used for flagship devices such as the Galaxy S, the award-winning smartphone that's already sold 10 million units around the world. Then you've got the R, which stands for Royal or Refined. It's a premium category model with a combination of power, performance, and productivity for the individual who wants to be defined by the technology that they carry. Then there's the W, which stands for Wonder. High quality, strategic models, perfect for those seeking balance between style and performance. And then M, which is magical. High performance mod models at an economic price point. And finally, Y, for Young. These are entry models uh, with strategic models for emerging markets and the younger audience that are more sensitive to price. 
Class indicators allow more specific descriptions of the key selling points of the device. Examples, you have the Pro, which indicates that the device includes a QWERTY keyboard for speedier email typing and increased productivity. And you've got the Plus, which indicates that the device is an upgrade from an existing model. And then LTE, which indicates that the device is utilized uh, with or utilizing LTE, i.e. long-term evolution for 4G data and increased productivity on the mobile network. I think marketing people sometimes have way too much time on their hands. This is way too complicated. And uh, I predict this will maybe make it six months before this is scrapped because these kind of things always just confuse people. Well, if you're confused, let's talk a little bit about some new devices that they announced. We've got the W, the M Pro, the Y, and the Y Pro. The, <laughs> the Galaxy M Pro. Of course, this is stands for magical and pro, which means it's got a front-facing QWERTY keyboard, one gigahertz processor, and HVGA screen. Other specs include uh, one gig of RAM and a 3.5 millimeter headset jack and all the other things that you'd expect from a device that you received these days. Then you've got the Galaxy W, which stands for wonder. It has a 1.4 gigahertz processor, HSDPA at 14.4 megabits per second, 3.7 inch touchscreen, and will run gingerbread. And then the Galaxy Y, a lower end device with a 320 by 240 touchscreen, 2 megapixel camera, and 800 megahertz processor. In the Galaxy Y Pro, same specs as the Y with the front facing QWERTY on it. This runs on an 832 megahertz processor as well. So it kind of makes sense if you start to hear the devices. Of course, now, if you know, we're going to have the Galaxy Y Pro, the next one that we get is going to be the Galaxy Y Pro Plus because that'll be the next iteration of that device. So that's how and, it's all going to work. Well, and then the next year, it's the Plus 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 because you, you, you got to remember these, you know, all these specifications change every five minutes. So you need to have, uh, you need to differentiate that. So uh, they'll just keep adding pluses on. This is a, a very interesting way that they've gone. Like you said, there's, there's a lot of time on somebody's hands here to go ahead and decide, uh, you know, this new naming scheme. But uh, we'll, we'll try and keep you up to date as new devices come out and what this actually means and how they differentiate from each other. Yeah, it's it is kind of silly. I mean, it, it does to me. I love naming conventions like this because it it actually makes sense. It it does, but it actually doesn't work in practice. It it never seems to. Yeah, the fact that we're now taking and we put the name Galaxy, and then you put a letter in there, and then you put a class indicator. It, it's it's all just a little much. Uh, we get what they're doing, but. I don't know. Maybe there's a better way to do it. We'll see. We'll see how long they last with this. Verizon on Thursday confirmed to the Wall Street Journal that it will not be selling the Samsung Galaxy S2. Hold on. Let me go back to my cheat sheet here. That's a super smartphone. Uh, it's expected was expected to be announced for all carriers in the U.S. market next week. But according to a report, Samsung will launch the S2 with AT&T Sprint and T-Mobile, though according to a Verizon spokesperson, they have an extensive portfolio that offers customers a great variety of devices, including the Samsung Droid Charge. But then on Sunday, Samsung unveiled a new version of the Galaxy S2 with part of the new naming convention, LTE, at the end of it. It will run Android 2.3 Gingerbread on a 1.5 gigahertz dual-core processor with support for 3D graphics, 4.5-inch Super AMOLED Plus display, an 8-megapixel camera with HD video capture. The device will ship with Samsung's various hubs, including the social game and music hubs. And uh, we should be seeing this one, of course, for either Verizon or AT&T. See, this is the issue we have with this one is 
it just says LTE. It doesn't say which iteration of LTE. It, we don't have any idea who it's going to be for yet, so we're going to have to wait until IFA when they make a formal announcement, which is coming up on this Thursday. But Joey, it uh, it is kind of interesting, right? Because we see this first device uh, that has come out that we say, oh, it's an LTE device, but we don't know who, who it's for. I mean, we're assuming it could be for Verizon because there's not a Samsung Galaxy S2 device for Verizon, but there's not necessarily so because AT&T will have LTE here uh, within the next couple of months. Exactly. So now it's not going to be just limited to Verizon and LTE. And obviously around the world, more carriers are picking up LTE. And then uh, in the US, we're going to have more and more LTE. Uh, So it will become a little bit more confusing as far as band support. We'll see if they just arbitrate, if they just include everybody, you know, in those bands, or if it's just going to be locked out via software or what they're going to do with it and how they're going to design the devices themselves. But then, yeah, of course, you know, it leads me to believe that, yeah, the the Verizon canceled the regular Galaxy S2 eVideo version for the LTE version. And that makes sense. But then there's one other thing that could go into it, and that could be the Nexus Prime, because we, we do have rumors that the Verizon uh, Nexus Prime is coming. And, and now there's rumors that it's a Samsung. And here's the deal. We're talking about a Super AMOLED Plus display on this Galaxy S2. And uh, what we're expecting here on the Prime is a 720 by 1280 resolution screen, which is, uh, I guess, what would be Samsung's Super AMOLED Plus display on a 4.5 inch screen, which is what the S2 has. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of things that are tying this all together, which this absolutely could be the Prime. Yeah, and we may not uh, we may not see the Galaxy S2 because they're going to be releasing it as the Prime, uh, which of course would be great for Verizon to get a Nexus phone because we haven't really had one of those. And of course, it's great to see the next version of the Nexus because this really is the uh, it, you know it's the Android stock phone. There's no carrier bloatware installed on it, and it's uh, you know myself included usually regarded as pretty much the the best choice to get as far as an Android phone. Here's the other thing with this. Samsung uh, really confirmed that the Prime would be coming from them uh, this week. You know, we, we talk about the Nexus devices and who's going to be making them for Google. But uh, Samsung seems like they have inadvertently confirmed this with uh, after a, a leaked firmware version went out this week. The legal counsel for Samsung warned that the firmware was exclusive property of Samsung, essentially confirming the validity of the leak and that this was indeed the Nexus Prime on Samsung. What's interesting about that is just when we had the uh, Google acquisition of Motorola stating that uh, any carriers up for bids and we like to change the, the, the manufacturers because the first year the Nexus 1 was HTC and then we had the Nexus S on Samsung, uh, we kind of assumed that uh, or many people assume that there'd be a different manufacturer like Motorola for the next Nexus or I suppose we could even see Sony or anybody else, but it looks like it's going to be Samsung again and uh, just one more, uh, you know, one more uh, bit of information here that Samsung's really just been kicking it for Android devices here. They've really gone from uh, kind of a late, a uh, late comer in the Android game, you know, compared to HTC. And they've really just uh, taken over here as far as popularity goes. And, and, and when I hear people talking about Android phones, uh, I, I hear, you know, the, the galaxy S two and the, the Samsung phones talked about uh, more than any other manufacturer right now. And unfortunately, you know, it's, there's a lot of uh, lag in getting these devices out by companies like Motorola. In fact, the Dread Bionic, uh, this this poor device, this was announced back at CES. Um, it looks like it's going to be coming soon, in fact. We saw a tweet this weekend from the official Droid Bionic Twitter account that says it will be in your hands starting on September 8th, which is a week from Thursday. So if you've been waiting for this one and the 4G speeds, 1 gigahertz dual-core processor, 4.3-inch QHD screen, 
and you decided not to buy a Samsung, you can now get it uh, all in the Droid Bionic coming up next week. Uh, you know, the, the listing that we pulled all this information from, um, you know, was, was, like I said, it was a tweet, the official Droid Bionic Twitter account. Who knows what that actually means? It says it's official, but, uh, you know, I could be official too, I suppose, if I wanted to. Uh, so anyway, so we'll be seeing this one soon. But you, you make a great point that, uh, you know, they, they have absolutely Samsung that has really been just kind of on top of their game and on top of, uh, you know, getting these devices out, these great phones out, and everyone's very, very excited about them. So we'll, uh, we'll uh, keep our, our ears peeled here this week because I think there's going to be a lot going on and uh, some new devices to be announced. Well, Pocket Now obtained what they say is a roadmap for AT&T devices that will hit store shelves between now and the end of the year. In the list, they have six Android handsets, two Windows Phone 7 devices, and two Blackberries. All the Android phones will run on Gingerbread 2.3.3 or higher. Those include the Pantech Nulu, a Samsung Singa, which is the i777, a Huawei Gengu, and the Motorola Fuath. They also have a Pantech Onzu and the Samsung Gidim. I'm not really sure what any of these names actually mean, other than maybe it's just a placeholder. Then for Windows phones, you've got a Samsung and HTC device, both running on Mango. They'll have 8 megapixel cameras with 800 by 480 pixel displays. Finally, RIMS Torch 9860 and the Curve 9360 round out that list. All the devices are expected to make their way to the carrier before the end of the year. Users of the Motorola Zoom tablet will be receiving Android 3.1 if you live in Canada. Per a message on the official Motorola Canada Twitter account, Motorola Zoom owners, your Android 3.1 update is here. You can call customer support if you have any questions. The update should be available to all users within the upcoming days. The Android market was updated on Tuesday, bringing with it some new features. First, an application uh, now allows uh, users to the app now allows users to plus one applications from within the market on handsets. It's good for letting others know if the app is worthy of downloading. Other features include the ability to set a pin lock on market purchases from the device, meaning you'll have to enter the code each time you purchase software. Sprint this week updated the HTC Evo 4G to software version 4.53. The update addresses the following. Integrated voice recognition, image size issues, images cut off in Picasa, group contacts not in alphabetical order, and an issue where you run out of memory and are unable to send SMSs. The update should be available to all users within the next week. Google on Wednesday released an update for its Google Docs application for Android. The new version brings new features, including the ability to add photos to the web clipboard and then paste them into documents. Also updated are the sharing options, including the ability to send documents via email attachments. The update is free from the Android market. Nokia on Wednesday introduced Sam's, or excuse me, Symbian Bell, a software update for the Symbian version 3 operating system. Bell focuses on UI enhancements for new widgets, a status bar, dialogues, notifications, and the system menu. Uh, the OS further improves NFC functionality and streamlines software updates. The OS will be available on three new smartphones, including the Nokia 600, 700, and 701. It will also be made available to the Nokia N8, E6, E7, X7, C7, and C601 via the uh, download on the PC or over the air. As for the new devices, Nokia's 700 is Nokia's most compact smartphone with one gigahertz processor, 3.2-inch AMOLED screen, uh, two gigs of internal memory, HD video capture, and a 5-megapixel camera. Nokia says the 701 model is the brightest mobile screen ever using a clear black display, and it is based on the popular Nokia C7 design with a 1 gigahertz processor, 8-megapixel, and dual-LED flash. 
Lastly, the Nokia 600 has a 1 gigahertz processor, 5 megapixel camera, and built-in FM radio that allows users to listen to radio without headphones, and an FM transmitter that makes it possible to broadcast music from the phone to any FM radio. Pricing and availability for the devices were not announced. Joey, I uh, I look at this and I look at the you know the the Symbian Bell. Um, I did, in fact, uh, also post a little video in here that kind of explains what's going on with the new UI. So if you're interested in actually seeing what Symbian Bell means, um, it's not bad. Um, I I think they've done a a nice job of kind of integrating some of the best of the other operating systems out there. There's a certain level of kind of Android feel to it, uh, you know, with the different home screens and also some of the icons that they use. Um, But I don't think this is going to save Nokia and save the Symbian devices that are out there. I, I feel like everyone has moved on, moved past this. There's probably still a handful of people that are still excited about this. And let's say you've got one of these existing devices. You're going to be excited to be able to get this update. But uh, the new devices, I, I don't feel like are really going to have much momentum behind them. And I, I almost feel sorry for Nokia at this point for this release because it, it just it really, really feels like too little too late. Well, and again, yeah, exactly. If this was out uh, three years ago, it would have been big news, or even four years ago, it would have been huge. I mean, I just, you know, the, the icons look just like Android. They've got the notification panel that slides down just like Android, and, and of course, the iOS that's up and coming, uh, iOS 5. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it is just a direct copy. And of course, here in the U.S., I mean, there's, just, there's just no outlet for Nokia or Symbian. There, it, nobody carries it. Nobody wants it. So it's uh, unfortunately going to be something that really won't be... Uh, for the U.S. market. And all of that said, uh, if you are a Nokia fan, you're going to love these updates because this this looks really, really nice. It is It makes it feel like a current you know, 2011 OS. Um, so go and, go and check this out if you're interested in it. And of course, link in the show notes if you want to see the demo that I'm talking about. Bloomberg on Wednesday reported that RIM will be enabling Android applications to run on Cunix-based BlackBerry smartphones. The upcoming smartphones will run a similar version of the OS currently on the playbook and will run the Android apps via a software emulator. RIM did not comment on the report. And then on Thursday, RIM announced the launch of BBM Music Beta. This is a social media sharing service for BlackBerry devices. And as we discussed it last week, with BBM Music, users will build a profile and playlist of up to 50 songs, and then they will share their playlist with their BBM contacts, and everyone connected can then listen to each other's music. BBM Music lets users comment on songs and playlists, as well as see chronological views of the community's updates and additions and charts on which the songs are the most popular. BBM Music will support caching for offline listening. The service is currently in a closed beta to register beta zone testers it will be available to all blackberry users later this year for five dollars a month and if it was uh, out about two years ago and actually people had blackberries to for bbm support this probably would have been fairly popular but now there's just there's just nobody supported to to make this social fun thing uh valid anymore it's it's kind of unfortunate Five bucks a month for 50 songs uh, at, at this point just does not seem like a good deal. And yes, there's the ability to, let's say you just get 20 friends that you connect with. Now you've got a thousand songs for only five bucks, five bucks a month. That's pretty good. But that assumes that your friends are going to subscribe and pay their $5 a month as well and continue to keep that $5 a month subscription. And they are going to, you know, there's, there's all these things that kind of go along with this. It seems like a good idea, but I, I don't think in practice it's going to be popular. Yeah, again, uh, way too late. I'm not sure why they even bothered spending the time on this when, you know, the, the, the numbers are down so drastically for BBM users. Well, if there is something that RIM should be spending their time on, it's native email on the playbook. Well, guess what? Images surfaced on Thursday of what appears to be the next version of the playbook OS, and it has email configuration. 
okay. So of course, you know, my, I'm, this is my biggest complaint about the playbook is that they launch this thing with, uh, out email and without, uh, BlackBerry messenger. Of course, that's what BlackBerry is known for. And, you know, I really, my gut feel on this is that they assumed that people would buy the playbook, love the playbook, and then uh, realize they needed a BlackBerry to go with it. And I believe that this was made uh, a conscious decision to leave out all of your PIM applications and email from the playbook at launch and even after the launch until they were absolutely panned in the reviews for not including absolute basic functionality for somebody who doesn't own a blackberry i really think that they thought they were going to sell more blackberries because of the playbook to get that bridge support and uh this really blew up in their face big time and here's the interesting thing about this this is not a bez connection this is not a bis connection what it shows at least on this configuration screen is adding mail contacts and calendar via exchange active sync imap pop or caldav so these are the same ways that you connect any other tablet, which I guess is good because it allows you to not have to have any sort of BlackBerry support. But when BlackBerry is based around email and based around this this network operations center, don't you think they would want to have that support in there? But they've opted not to do that. If you're going to connect via Biz or Bez, you're going to have to do it via your BlackBerry and then push all that stuff over through the bridge. And uh, this matches exactly what we heard the rumors about the upcoming handset, the Colt handset, uh, that it would not have uh, any BIS or BES support into it, and it would be a standard active sync phone. And this, this of course, matches perfectly, which, which of course, would make sense because it's the same OS. And I have a feeling, you know, it's, it's uh, probably, you know, similar underpinnings, just like, you know, Android and the, the, you know, the it, it'll be the same OS. So this actually matches perfect. So here's a, an interesting question. Um, you have now the ability to, let's say, I want to set up my work um, server uh, via Exchange, which is how I do it on my tablets right now, uh, but I run a BlackBerry. If I have a playbook and I want to have access to my email on the playbook without having to have the BlackBerry present, but I maybe want to use the BlackBerry, how do I do that? Because if I set it up via Exchange, it's going to pull all my email down anyway, but then when I hook it up to Bridge, it's going to then pull all the email over that way too, No. No, the, the, the let's see. It's as long as you have support for the 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 Microsoft Active Sync, like I do. I have a a Bez server and the Active Sync protocol. You can do it either way, both at the same time. Both is no problem. The thing with the the BlackBerry Bridge is that your email is actually not stored on the BlackBerry uh, the playbook at all. It's just on your phone, so it really will be completely transparent. And yeah, you'll get two notifications when an email comes as comes in as long as you have the bridge uh active you'll get it both on both email clients and it, you can just pick either one that you want to use it on which i i guess i don't like you know i don't i don't want to have the the duplicate functionality there but i don't want to have to i don't want to have to have the blackberry connected over the bridge to be able to use it but you know at the same time maybe i want to use it for bbm or whatever i, I just i'm not I'm, i don't like that they've got to figure out a way to, to integrate those better i think yeah, I would think so. But uh, at this point in time, you know, we're just going to have to wait for that uh, supposed rewrite of uh, the rumor that they have to completely, you know, rewrite the Bez server. And uh, that's what we'll have to wait for. I guess you're right. Let's move on. We've got a couple of questions and comments this week. The first one comes to us in a question 
from Dominic. He said, after many phone calls and web surfing, I finally ordered the touchpad from Barnes & Noble online. I'm excited to play with it and the OS and have no experience with WebOS. My question is, how come WebOS never came to any GSM carrier? Am I wrong? Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I am a T-Mobile customer and I've never seen WebOS, WebOS devices offered. Thank you guys. Well, it is true that WebOS never found its way to T-Mobile, but uh, AT&T has had it for quite a while. They had the, the Pre Plus, Pixie Plus, and of course, one of the latest phones, the HP Veer. Uh, sometimes the carriers just don't work out the deals with the manufacturers. It can be due to you know economic or other reasons. Yeah, and of course, on T-Mobile side, it's the, always that 1700 uh, AWS band. It just wasn't uh, enough customers to, uh, to build a phone for, uh, for that specific 3G band. And, uh, you know, traditionally in the past, uh, T-Mobile, I don't know if they did many Palm phones even. So it just be, could just be history um, about that. But I think you'll like the touchpad. It actually is a very uh, easy to type on. I've been using it here at, uh, at the house for a while. The, the wife really does like it uh, as well. Um, I find it much, much more uh, intuitive than the Android tablets. Much easier to type on. It's a very, very uh, decent uh, tablet for web browsing. Uh, it's got flash support built in. And of course, it has the one and only uh, tablet specific version of Facebook uh, application built right on. So it's uh, if you do Facebook, which a lot of people do online, I mean, that's what a lot of people spend their time on. It, it'll actually be very, very slick. And for the price, you just can't beat it. Yeah, you just have to rub that in, don't you? My playbook or uh excuse me, touchpad order got canceled this week. I, I was all excited last week. I ordered it and I was, I was ready for it. I, you know, in my mind, spent the money and I was happy. And then, of course, it got canceled. Like many people's orders did got canceled. Um, you know, you can go to hp.com and send them to get notified when they're available. But I'm sure me and 47 million other people have done that. So the second they send out that email blast, all of us are going to go try and order and it's not going to work. Yeah, and this is an interesting, uh, you know, I'm going to take a step side here, uh, talk about the touchpad briefly and how how much interest this thing generated with that price point. And, and it really goes to show all the naysayers about the tablet market really, you know, saying that there is no tablet market and the only tablet market that exists is the iPad. And, and at the current price levels, that's true. But this 99 and 150 price levels really proved them wrong. Uh, it showed that there is a demand for tablets and people do want them, but at their current iPad prices, they're much too high to get the mass appeal that they, uh, that they, you know, that they kind of rely on to get developers and to get the whole ecosystem built. And uh, it w- it's very interesting as far as the, uh, the, the social and, the, and, and how this affects the market and what it proves that there is demand out there for, these, uh, for this style device. You know, if I was a WebOS developer, I don't know that I'd give up quite yet because you're going to have at least a quarter million people out there that are going to pick up one of these devices and, hey, where's my apps? I'm going to, I need some apps for this. And yeah, I only spent a hundred bucks on it, so I can spend a few bucks on applications. So I would say do not give up, uh, you know, focus on development for this yet because there is some, some life left to it. Yeah, exactly. And then also when you get your uh, new touchpad, uh, put it in developer mode uh, with the, uh, uh, look this up on the pre-central or wherever other forums you can find, get pre-ware installed. So you'll have a much wider application of homebrew applications to, to install on it. Uh, there's a lot of good things. You can even overclock it. You can do a whole bunch of things. There's, there's a bunch of good guides that have come out this past week about, you know, the, the, the best apps to get and, and, and what to do. Uh, so definitely look those things up and uh, get those running on your touchpad. And uh, it, it'll definitely uh, make your experience a little bit better with it. 
Yeah, I, I I'm I'm still hopeful, um, but my hope is waning. Um, I, I just I'm just not not real confident that I'm going to be able to find one, especially now after it's been a week. Yeah, and it's uh, just hold, sit tight. You know, supposedly HP is uh, getting more out of their warehouse somewhere. They'll truck them in from someplace, and uh, maybe you'll be able to, uh, to to get one. Still, we'll we'll have to wait and see. You know, if they're we still don't even know if they're uh, being manufactured right now. I mean, they still could be on cargo ships coming over. I mean, that that is very possible that they are uh, still going to become available again in the uh, in the future. Yeah, th- there's. There is hope, um, albeit very little, <laughs> uh, you know, especially those that have had, you know, one or two or three or five orders that have been canceled with uh, with online. And it's it's not just Amazon sellers. It's, you know, Barnes and Noble. So that they were going to be selling it and they pretty much backed off and, and canceled all their orders as well. So, oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's been it's been kind of a rough go of it for those of us that have been trying to find one. Yeah, and it uh, I just lucked into mine. I mean, it was so, I mean, the timing was just unbelievably uh, great and uh, unbelievably lucky that I even was able to get one because it, it, it is a nice device. WebOS is so easy to use. It, it makes the Android tablet here just seem like a pile of garbage, honestly, because the, the way the OS is just, just ultra easy to use and it's ultra easy to type on. I think it's kind of fun that you've gone from zero to three tablets uh, in your house in what a matter of two months, something like that. Yeah, it's 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 wild whirlwind here. It's actually kind of overwhelming. Well, see, but I don't think it's that's that's kind of what tablets are supposed to be. They're supposed to be fun and you know have this have this great uh, great way of making them making your life easier by having them. Do you have one like in you know on the coffee table, one downstairs? How do you, how do you use all three? I don't know. They're just all over the place all the time. It, you know, some of them, sometimes they're around, you know, cause, uh, wife will leaves, uh, leaves them kind of laying around. So, you know, if I just need to some, look up something that there's one sitting there, I can just grab it and, uh, you know, uh, pull up whatever. Do you have one on the refrigerator so that when you go to the fridge to get a glass of water, you can check your email or something? No, no. It usually sits on the kitchen counter kind of right behind that. So it's close enough to the fridge. Okay. How about one in the laundry room? So when you're switching the laundry, do stuff no no i'll bring my ipad pad in with me you know if i need to watch some netflix or something while it's going and of course i can do it with the 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 asus transformer now with the firmware update that they put out this week on it or was that last week now can't remember when they did that update so uh yeah there is a new update you can sideload the netflix app right now uh, on the the transformer if you get the, the latest system update so that's actually very very nice for that device there's a lot of uh, a lot of things you can do with the tablets. They are they're not just for breakfast anymore. Dominic, I hope you enjoy your new touchpad. And then finally today, a question from Bill. He says, "Mickey and Joey, I just wanted to get your take on a carrier and phone option. Uh, my T-Mobile contract has expired. Two years ago, I want T-Mobile since I could get a an AAA discount on a monthly bill. Uh, I want to keep the cost down. I currently use about two gigs of data on Edge each month due to Pod Trapper and other things. I probably want to stay postpaid. I like having the GSM option for the very." occasional travel that I do, and uh, we also use UMA Wi-Fi calling at home, which is a T-Mobile selling point due to the poor coverage by all carriers. So what would you recommend? I've been using a BlackBerry Curve 8900, and I'm happy with it running OS 5. I'm tempted by the new 9900 with OS 7. Um, I like having physical keyboards uh, and also keyboard shortcuts. So should I stick with the BlackBerry, go to the Android landscape slider to get the best screen, or wait for BlackBerry's Cunix phones? The bigger problem I have with is my wife is using the Black 
BlackBerry Pro Flip. Uh, I picked this one out when I got the Curve, thinking it would be easier to have phones with the same OS, same chargers, etc., but she doesn't use data on it and really only makes phone calls and takes pictures. She likes flip phones but wants something with a better camera. Any suggestions for a feature flip phone with a good camera, or does she need to stay with smartphones? Well, you know, in that case, you could probably definitely go for a feature phone. I, I know there's some uh, Sony Ericsson ones uh, that have, you know, they'd be edge only and they have spectacular cameras on them. That's what I'd look for. Maybe even getting an unlocked used one on eBay or an unlocked new one. I'm sure you could get a decent price with an excellent camera. Um, as far as the BlackBerry, definitely go check out OS 7 before you make the switch because uh, a lot of people do not like the new OS 6, OS 7 style uh, interface and it's it, it actually kind of lost some of the magic it had with OS 5 so that's one thing you definitely want to take a quick look at before you uh, jump into the new BlackBerry OS even though the hardware is a lot better it, it it may not give you what you what you want and even going to an Android may be a better option at that point but of course then there's the the other issue yeah, so here's here's the deal. If if UMA is a big deal for you, um, obviously T-Mobile is the the carrier to stick with. Uh, no one else has this ability right now, though. You can, um, if you've got a home internet connection, you can get a, a you know a, a micro cell for your house and install it, and and uh, you know, or even a, a signal booster. There's a number of those out there that we've talked about in the past that you could use to enhance your service out there. But if UMA is what you're looking for, then T-Mobile is the way you need to go. Now, the issue with this is that although the BlackBerry 9900 is indeed a BlackBerry, it does not have UMA in it. Um, This may be a big deterrent for you from this phone, and uh, you may want to consider other carriers, which kind of leads me to my next point, which is, have you tried other carriers in your area recently? Are are they all still poor? Um, You know, you said you bought this phone or these phones on T-Mobile two years ago. A lot can happen in two years, so it may be time to reevaluate your options and see if there's another carrier that can work a little bit better for you now. Um, now, as for your wife, Joey mentioned some Sony Ericsson phones. Um, I'm going to suggest that you consider some Nokia devices. Um, there's a number of them out there that have Carl Zeiss lenses on them. Um, they're really great phones. They take good pictures. Um, there's Wi-Fi built in, so if you want to you know, use the Wi-Fi to get the photos off of it somehow or upload them to a service or something like that, you can do that. Uh, you wouldn't need to have a data plan. Um, I'm going to put a link in the show notes here. If you just go to question from Bill, um, click the click that link right on your name and uh, you'll see a full list here of all the Nokia devices that are out there right now. Um, you can then sort by which ones have cameras and you can see that uh, some of them will have Carl Zeiss in there. And uh, so those are some of the ones that I would recommend, especially if, if that's a big thing for her. Um, you know, she's using a Pearl Flip, so she's used to a non-full QWERTY keyboard. There are some Nokia devices out there that will force you to use something like a T9. And then there's other ones out there that will have a full QWERTY keyboard on them. And then there's still more that have just full touchscreens and you'll have to type right on the glass. So uh, a number of different options that are out there. And uh, we'll, uh, like I said, I'll put a link in the show notes here so you can check them out. But uh, again, it's been two years. Check out, see how the other services are. Um, UMA is... uh, it's a cool service. It's just unfortunate. We're not seeing as many devices out there now that are using it. Yeah. And didn't they officially say they were kind of discontinuing it, uh, that they weren't going to really have new phones with it anymore. And I think, uh, AT&T's acquisition, they really didn't talk about that either. So, um, you know, it, 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 it the, the question, it's questionable that they'll keep this service running for, uh, a, an extended period of time. And I don't think it's it's a I think it was just a matter of it's not really getting used anymore, right? I mean it's it's is a really neat thing and especially if you're someone who is in an area like you were, Bill, where you've got bad service, um, or you know, you travel uh, even too, you can use it and I I, I kinda like that too. 
Yeah, and uh, and unfortunately, it uh, you know in the time when it, they got it out, and you know the services expanded, there you know they put up more towers so people get better coverage. So it kind of negates the need for it. So it's kind of a it's one of those things that just never quite took off, um, probably because of the timing of it. And unfortunately, that's what we're going to have to deal with. What you're going to have to deal with, and there's there's not much else really to say about that but you know just keep a keep an eye on um you know keep an eye on the technology and maybe something um something that's already out there in one of the android devices would work for you um i I wouldn't necessarily recommend you switch over to android but i would certainly say take a look at it i do think android is a great operating system obviously joey does too um if you're someone who really wants to stick with the the full qwerty keyboard though um you know, BlackBerry is a good way to go. In fact, I I still can't get away from mine. I have the option now to drop my BlackBerry and just go, um, you know, iPhone all the time. And I just can't bring myself to do it. Yeah. And, and one thing about, uh, Android sliders, the, 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 the whole, um, sliding the keyboard out and having to turn the thing landscape really is a major deterrent. Most people that I know of who've actually had, uh, Android sliders like the uh, like the Motorola Droid, for example, they end up just stop using the the hardware keyboard altogether and just use the on screen portrait keyboard. Um, so that's also something to uh, to, to kind of keep in mind that once you do get used to the on screen keyboard and portrait, it's actually pretty darn good. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of them. I know I've been vocal about that in the past. So if you're you know if it's something that you're considering fine um just make sure you use it i i don't like the hard i love hardware keyboards i don't like the landscape ones they're they're just too big for me they're too wide i actually slow down my typing because they're landscape i like having the keys close together yeah and and right now we don't really have any windows phone sevens with uh keyboards on them yet do we or was that or no i don't think so maybe the dell one no that was yeah that does that's portrait though that's portrait okay yeah and that's that could be an option i I don't know there's just uh it's it's something now that you're at the now that you've got a you're out of contract you can choose a different device uh you've got a lot of choices right now and take your time uh by all means don't just rush into something hopefully even though you said you live in an area that doesn't have good t-mobile service maybe you can go and visit a t-mobile store and uh check out what's there use the devices you know, spend some time with them, pick your top two or three and, and just, you know, spend 15, 20 minutes with it playing around, you know, BlackBerry, but definitely check out the 9900 and make sure that that is going to be something that you want to, uh, want to use my guess. You're going to love it. <laughs> if you like Blackberries, you're going to, you're going to love how fast the device is. Um, you can turn off the, the panels so you don't have to slide side to side anymore. That's something that they changed in, in OS seven. But, um, again, just Go through it. See if it's something that you're going to like. Check out some of the other devices. Um, you know, try doing some of the stuff that you normally do. Try and, you know, go to a Twitter, uh, f- you know, find a Twitter account a thing or play with that if that's something that you do. Or, you know, type out some messages or take pictures with the camera. Just play with them. See how it works for you. And and you'll get a good, good feel for it. And if you still have any questions, of course, write us back with anything specific that you want to know. And we can help you make your decision. Well, if you have any questions for us, you can send us an email to questions at the cell phone junkie.com. Or you can give us a call. Leave us a voicemail, 206-203-3734. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash junkie or on Twitter at twitter.com slash cellphonejunkie. Uh, Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.